0: Chris, do you want to know how I knew Florida State was in trouble on Saturday?
1: When Kelvin McKnight caught a 54-yard touchdown pass on the first snap.
0: <laughs> no, it was actually even before then. They're, they're going out to warm-ups, Florida State is, and Abdul Bello walks out. Uh, no shoulder pads and with like this weird... I'm wearing a uh, vest. It was a vest jacket, like some of you get at Old Navy. And, and you looked at me panicked, and you're not wanting to be panicked about much of anything. Uh, and you're like, Abdul Bello's not dressed out! <laughs> And that's what I do, Florida State was in trouble. That's the point we're at with the two deep. Guys, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. Uh, we are here to recap Florida State's, well, uh, upside, first win of the season of 2018, first win of the Willie Taggart era. Florida State beat Sanford 36-26, to 26, and it was a comeback victory, I guess that's something, but uh, two games in. Uh, a lot of reason for being skeptical about this team right now. Uh, for introductory sake, I'm Brendan Sinone. Joining me, Chris Knee. And we're going to recap FSU's game against Sanford. Uh, it's going to be kind of a free flowing conversation. We have notes. We have things that we both want to talk about. Uh, what we want to explain, what we saw, uh, the few things we did like, and, and then mostly the things that, that concern us because through two games, like I said, and Chris, I'll let you kind of go from here. Big picture. Uh, man, that it's tough to be optimistic about what we've seen so far this season.
1: Yeah, the offense is a mess to this point in time. Yeah. They they struggle to string together consecutive good plays, never mind consecutive good drives. It starts up front. Offensive line is struggling mightily. We saw a ton of different combinations mm-hmm. on Saturday. Six Some of that forced by injuries. Um, and they're a banged and bru- bruised and battered group two games into the season. You know, you got Dickerson out for – Potentially a couple more games. I'm almost certain at least one more. You've got Cole Minshew, who's had his head and his ankle injuries all preseason. You've got a uh, um, who else got Jawan, obviously dealing with some issues and just struggling mightily. Abdul Bello, who missed the game for a reason we don't know, but he had practiced earlier in the week, so I presume he got banged up in practice. You have Brady Scott sliding outside of tackle and truthfully performing pretty well and replacing Jawan Williams. But that group just, like, there's no reason for optimism when you look at the offensive line with FSU. They don't muster a push. It just doesn't exist. They don't finish blocks very consistently. The pass pro is there at times. There are instances where they do a very good job with pass pro, giving DeAndre time to look down the field and make big plays. But there's other times where they treat their teammate like a pinata.
0: So, And it's not
1: solely on them. It's not as simple as it's just the O-line field line got fixed. Everything would be good. No, there is a ton of issues. DeAndre can do better with RPO, with taking the ball going. Perimeter blocking can be better. Receivers need to catch the ball. There needs to be just a general more want to on the offense. Running backs not named Patrick need to be a little bit more north-south direct and run with some vigor, some, you know, balls between their legs, be a little more physical, finish the runs. I thought Patrick was phenomenal at that on Saturday. I don't know if the remainder of the team you can really say that for and you know you also lose LeBourne on a kickoff return, and he's probably done for the year, obviously. And uh, yeah, that just—that yeah, just, the, that just when hurts. The knee, when the knee goes that way, yeah, that's the, that's not a uh, poor kid. Yeah. I mean, he he was so frustrated with not playing last year. Yeah, he showed a flash last week with the 37-yard play and 25-yard kick return, and then this happens. I mean, that just stinks. Um, Kind of sums up the
0: the potential of this team and the actual, uh, I think that kind of epitomizes what we've seen so far this season. And
1: and I think, not to make an excuse for how bad the offense was, especially early, I think that caused a little bit of an issue for FSU. That was an adversity that, it doesn't matter how much you try to plan for adversity, seeing a guy who's a fairly popular kid, big piece of your offense have a pretty nasty injury where the cart has come out, it kind of, I think, shakes some guys. And I I don't think it helped the cause by any stretch of the imagination.
0: So, okay, again, this isn't as scripted as we've been lately. We've done a really good job, Chris. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here because we've been more
1: organized. This is the four-hour-of-sleep edition of the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, this was me driving driving home on I-10, like, at 4.30 in the morning and, like, thinking I was seeing deer in the middle of the road, and I wasn't. Uh, but they were there at, at, at that time, so Dare would uh, so
1: beat your car too. Oh
0: your yeah, to, your
1: Toyota is not prepared to I, take on I'm a deer pretty, at high speeds.
0: I'm pretty. <laughs> the, the 2005 curl is not meant to take on anything high speed. Actually, the maintenance required light went on in the middle of of uh, the drive back. Or we were you imagining it. Uh, no, it's still on this morning. Oh. Anyways, people don't care. People are tuning out. Um, we're gonna get into the offense and, and 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 then the defense a little bit. I think most of this podcast is gonna be spent on the offense and trying to unwrap what the hell we're seeing, Uh, and it's difficult. Chris, you tried to write about it this morning. I tried to write about it last week, and it's really tough to put context and perspective into this one because this is new what we're watching. Uh, This is a new offense. Uh, We don't know how Willie Taggart's teams respond to this kind of adversity. He's had slow starts before when he's done rebuild jobs, uh, but he kind of hyped this team up to be more than he said, this isn't rebuilding, this is retooling. Uh, he kind of set those expectations, and, and I think by his standards, his team has disappointed. That's not by, by us. So we're going to talk about the offense and, and those things, but you want to say something about, about Willie's standards, presumably?
1: No, I was just going to say what's good about this offense.
0: Okay, well... Well,
1: attacking cool. the middle of the field. Is yeah, right I think
0: I think when they give DeAndre Francois a clean pocket and he's able to step up, he can he can push the ball downfield. He can attack the middle uh, from from intermediate ten yards to even you know twenty yards downfield and somewhat someone on the sidelines. Uh, we saw Trey McKitty have success with that. Yeah. Uh, we saw Demar and Terry have some success outside.
1: He needs to be targeted more often. More
0: often he has uh, what. How many touchdown catches in season three? Well, yeah, it's a two, two touchdown in that on game. Saturday. Targeted
1: a total three times, technically four times, but one of those plays went away because of penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not enough. If you have a guy who's making plays, yeah, at this point you kind of got to go with a hot hand in this offense Cause, because because. So far it's been McKitty pretty consistently, Patrick pretty consistently. And then after that it's a search for answers.
0: Yeah, I, I like Patrick. Uh people on our message board that are pooping on him are stuck in this twenty sixteen version of Jock Patrick that didn't always run as physically. Yeah. Uh he's not going to be the you know, the maybe the battering ram type of type of running back, but once he gets a little bit ahead of steam, he pushes you know next three or four yards, he finishes runs.
1: He doesn't dance.
0: Uh, he doesn't. He goes north-south quickly. Cam makers. conversely, uh, I thought we saw way too much east-west from him. Uh, when he did get upfield in that, in that two-minute drill at the end of the game, or I guess it was a f- yeah, four-minute drill, whatever, um, but in the final couple minutes, he saw him out of the backfield, catch the ball, and then turn upfield quickly, good good things happen.
1: Which currently in this offense is the best way to use him because they just can't line up and run the ball very effectively. No,
0: they can't get pushed up front. So yeah, we're trying to be positive here, and it's not, not much for terms of what we actually like about this offense right now. Um yeah, I, I think they could I think DeAndre Francois can climb the ladder, a step up in the pocket and push the ball a little bit. Uh outside of that man, that that's it right now. And that's not what this offense is really supposed to be now. Now yeah. if you adapt and but again the there's not enough <coughs> passing patterns I think that that really complement those strengths. I don't think that's what Willie tacker's offense is, is supposed to be right now. So that's an adjustment. Yeah, there's not a lot other than those few areas. Negatives. Uh, we'll start with the offensive line because it's been two games now, uh, and relatively small sample size, but I think we know what this unit is. Uh, and it's like Chris alluded to, it's, it's a battered and, and bruised group. One that couldn't afford that. It couldn't afford it at all entering the season. I think that's well documented. Uh, one the starting offensive line didn't look anywhere as competent as we thought it was going to be. Oh, we you know we didn't get to see the starting co- offensive line. Uh, Coleman shoot didn't. We never saw the, the yeah, the that. Yeah, minshew tried to work
1: Dickerson on. was supposed to be the nice combo that you can line up and do some things yeah. behind him. We just haven't had that in yeah. two
0: games. So so FSU ends up going with six combinations of offensive linemen by my count, at least six uh, on Saturday. How many did they have? On Monday against Virginia Tech. At least four, four, I believe.
1: I think it was four. So we are... some of, Again, uh, some of it all forced by injuries, but there's also a search for answers. You saw Brady Scott get moved to both tackle spots, and part of that was Jawan Williams struggling so mildly. Yeah,
0: and he had some... Success. I, well, Brady Scott, yeah, he was in when they had the, the 82-yard 11-play mm-hmm. drive at the end of the game to go ahead. Uh and he looked okay there. Um, now
1: he was going against a reserve defensive end because they're talented. Yeah. The uh conference player to year, defensive player to year had been ejected for targeting.
0: No, it's problematic and I, it, that yeah, you you give all the context you want, and there's just not a whole lot to be optimistic about with that line right, right. now.
1: Rewatching the game, the issues I see with the O-line is you look at Samford on the goal line when they score, they get a push and they shove it in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a short yardage situation, they do what you do in those situations. FSU has a third and one when they throw a quick horizontal pass and they can't convert it, and we're all sitting there like, that's a horrible play call, or at least I know I was. But the truth is, I don't think they believe they can line up and just go forward for one yard.
0: No, they don't, and, and I think that's part of, part of the problem, maybe the problem with the offense right now is there doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence in the offensive line. And no one's come out and said, you know, we don't have confidence in the offensive line, but play calling – uh, certainly indicates that, as you alluded to, that third and one and, and not you know, throwing out the bubble screen or giving the option for that, not just straight ahead going for it. And I had talked to someone on the FSU staff before the season that had said, uh, yeah, we want to do a lot of zone running and that's going to be a part of what we do, but we want to be power blocking too. And then when we, there's going to be times where it's third and short, fourth and short, we have to go for it. Well, they opted not to do you know that type of power uh, blocking in that scenario, and then later in the game it's fourth and one. FSU doesn't get it. Um, they go for it and they don't get it against an FCS team, which is which is crazy. And Willie Taggart was asked about this at the end of the game, or sorry, after the game in the press conference. He was asked about the, the issues on third down.
1: Essentially, it, do you change play calling?
0: Yeah, and he said we have all these different play calls that we can go to that we feel good about, but we have to execute it. We have to be able and the offensive line has to push off the ball that was the first thing that kind of you know made me think, okay, he's acknowledging that there's issues blocking. Yeah. Uh,
1: he used, it is what it is. He later when talk, talking about the
0: offensive line issues. Yeah, quote-unquote, it is what it is. He did air quotes, but the people listening yeah, can't, can't, they can't, can't see, can't see, see I, there. I, but he did say, quote-unquote, it is what it is. Uh, and he said the running backs have to get north-south a little bit more, and that was Cam Akers who didn't. Uh, it didn't look like DeAndre. Uh, that was on the fourth and one. And then DeAndre Francois I don't think helps out with maybe potentially keeping it if he can. There's no threat at all for him to actually run with it other than his touchdown run. Uh, and that was a clear, easy read. And I've heard some people hypothesize that that, that was designed, like that was predetermined that he was going to keep it. Um, regardless, there's no confidence that they could do short yardage running right now. And without that, like people are mad at the play calling. I get there's some personal things that, especially in the first game, that, that you and I, Chris, were kind of scratching our heads over.
1: Little man blocking for big man.
0: Yes, correct. That didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, just in even personnel groupings of, you know, not getting in the ball more, not getting Terry the ball more. Uh, regardless, Willie has a point. Like, if you can't block it up, what the hell else? And there's so many examples of just guys going on block, too. Forget not even getting push. There, there's, especially inside with Alec Eberly and the guards and the rotating guards, there's huge holes that, that they're not... Well, they're not creating holes, they're allowing holes in their sieves right now.
1: There's too many instances when you watch the offensive line where they're not touching anybody.
0: Correct. Multiple get, get a hat on
1: hat. And if you're gonna go to the second level, hit somebody at the second level. Don't just go there and dance in open field. Mm-hmm. Actually get up there and put your hat on. Somebody see if the play develops where you free it up more. There's just and it's not solely the O line that's not putting hat on hat very well. Perimeter blocking hasn't been very good. Running backs blocking at time hasn't been great with that. Mm -hmm. you got to be physical. There has to be a want to to be physical. FSU's offense currently has no go-to other than Trey McKitty, in my opinion, through two games Mm -hmm. where it's, you know, if you truly need something here, you go towards Trey. And there was an instance early in the game where they went to Trey and it sailed over essentially his left shoulder as he turned back towards the quarterback. I believe it was a third and long, and it would have been a nice play near midfield. Yeah, they were going from right but to left. But in general, left the Trey box. was a go-to guy throughout that game, and he has been in two games. But in general, that offensive attack doesn't have a go-to.
0: Mm-hmm. They're not
1: good running to the edge. They're not good running to the middle. The quarterback's not keeping it and going anywhere with it. The perimeter blocking has left a lot to be desired on more than 50% of the plays that they attempted to go outside. There's no just get up in people's junk and push them forward and gain a tough yard. There's not really a toughness to the offense, and it's got to have some finesse, but it also needs to have toughness, and currently it's not doing either of those two very well.
0: Yeah, you can be finesse, and that's obviously, I think a lot of fans probably cringe when they think, oh, finesse. Uh, and that's not what this Gulf Coast offense is supposed to be in theory, but you can be finesse and win a lot of football games. I, I do think there's a cap to what you can do with the finesse, but, but you can do that, but if you're not being particularly efficient with the finesse stuff, and. And some of the, you know, getting the, the ball to wide receivers in space or screen passes, whatever you want to do that's a little bit you know less power-centric. Uh, if you're not doing either of them, man, like, I, I don't know. And and I know we're coming off as really negative. I just... They can't run the ball. They can't. They, they can't. They
1: average 4.2 run yards adjusted, adjusted. taking the sack out. against 3.8 an FCS if you team. keep the sack in there. And that's two games in a row that they just can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. They cannot line up and run the ball.
0: And I know DeAndre got a lot of.
1: And this action. team was supposed to be better at running the ball than passing.
0: That was the ball. supposed to be the strength. Even you know the offensive line, we were skeptical on. Uh, we were both admittedly bullish on what they could do if all five of those guys stay healthy. Uh, within context, like with this being, we thought they could be a good run blocking group, is what you and I thought. For it what could they be. were
1: capable of, yeah, correct.
0: Offense. I we thought that would be an above average. That would maybe not be a weakness, and and I admittedly to this point. Very, very wrong, yeah, and you were wrong too, Chris. Yeah, I (laughs) I mean,
1: they can't line up and just get tough yards.
0: No, and it only, and you had said this after the Virginia Tech game like, it only gets worse because of the injuries and the inconsistencies. And and you're going to guys that like Chaz Neal was listed and he didn't play, but a guy who has never really played offensive line at a consistent like level, it was a defensive end and and not a great defensive end. recruit out that, go ahead and watch his highlight film. Like, He was listed as the number two right tackle on the depth chart out of the game. I'm not trying to take a shot at Chaz Neal. He's a de- developmental player. He's not supposed to be playing yeah. this year. He didn't play, but they're one or two more injuries away from that being the reality.
1: Yeah, they're beaten, battered. I mean, the, the positives on the offense are Tamori and Terry, Trey McKitty, DeAndre's capable of throwing it deep. Mm-hmm. The deep ball is something that's in the offensive array. Mm-hmm. They're good working to the middle, but after that they, – Jacques they Patrick, yeah, is, but
0: he's not a feature guy. But he, they have so
1: much work to do.
0: Yeah,
1: they got to figure out what they can be good at and become really good at that because they're not going to be good at trying to do everything they want to do within the confines of this offense.
0: Clearly. And that's where that falls on coaching. Oh, no that, doubt. At you, that point.
1: You, you limit the playbook. You get very selective on when you try to implement certain things instead mm-hmm. of thinking – we're going to keep trying this so the offense works. I don't think that's going to work with this group. You, Some of that is you don't have the guys that are supposed to run this. You didn't recruit a majority of these guys you're relying upon. They're not your dudes. They're groceries that you adopted when you came in.
0: You adopt to groceries. To use the old
1: Bill Parcells, you know, I want to mm-hmm. shop for the groceries. It's not that for them. They they are you know taking some pieces that weren't their pieces and trying to fit into what they're doing, and there's going to be issues with that. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be true. But it's what you have, and you have to try to go win with it
0: and this was something that I thought after the Virginia Tech game and through with another game and another part of the sample size gets to expand a little bit to your point DeAndre Francois while he's doing some things really really well doesn't look comfortable running this offense doing what they ask him to do or they're not comfortable calling him in a certain way I'm not sure where the disconnect is coming from I haven't gotten a clear explanation of it uh, we've gotten kind of hints and stuff that, that, that the run game with him and the RPO wasn't something that they wanted to force in that first game, and it didn't seem like that in the second one. Um, but he doesn't seem comfortable running it right now. It's very clear that he wasn't recruited for this offense.
1: Defenses certainly don't respect him running
0: it. Well, they Because they haven't shown that he can. Yeah. There's no need to, uh, and that only adds to the issues that they're having trying to block out the run game. Um and I think people are going to start looking and say, "Okay, do you make a change with James Blackman?" And and one, I, well, I'll say this real quick. You don't want to make a change just to make a change. Yeah. Um,
1: you can't walk it back.
0: Yeah. Once you make that move, I, I don't know if you can put the toothpaste back in the the toothpaste toothpaste container thing. You're tired, boss. It's been a long. Hi, my dog's entering the room right now. It's been a long. It's been a long day. Um, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. If that is something you can do, but I will say that this team does. I will say that this team does respect James Blackman, uh, and I think James Blackman, the offense he ran in high school, had a little bit more of this kind of concepts than what DeAndre Francois has run previously. Uh, and James Blackman has done a really good job being engaged on the sideline. He's a hell of a teammate, uh, but I don't know if that's the answer either here.
1: Yeah, I don't think it is personally. No. But I don't think that's I want not to a to... slide on Blackman. I just think the offense has deficiencies that they can't overcome. Yeah, they have to learn what their strengths can be in play to them. Yeah, and they've not figured that out through 120 minutes and you know what, 150 offensive snaps. So, is there anything else with the offense we want to go into? This is a no, good. No, this... I'm good with the offense. Right. I mean, I, can it get better? Yes, but I think within measure. There there's deficiencies, or as I like call them, fatal flaws that can't be fixed. And mm-hmm. starts with that offensive line. They have to be good enough at certain other things to kind of coach around and play around the offensive line. Yeah, that's not going to be the strength they can play to, in
0: mm-hmm. my opinion. This is a good time to to say hey if you're uh, if you're listening, go ahead, go to iTunes, give us a five star review. We keep it real on the Twenty Four Seven podcast. Uh, but no, if if you can, if you are on to subscribe. Please take a minute. It helps with the popularity of the show. Uh, We'll give uh, the more and more people listen, the more likely we can maybe put this to sponsorship one day. And then that's the more likely chance that we'll keep doing more podcasts. So if you do enjoy it, which the few of you that do, uh, go ahead and please do that. Five stars do help. But if you don't want to do it, don't do it either. I don't I don't care.
1: The defense was, again, kind of a tale of two halves to some degree. Yeah. Some of it was that opening play, 54 yards, you get bombed on, you don't adjust quickly, and they lost a lot of one-on-one matchups on the outside, and Devlin Hodges played really well. Do you know I what they called
0: that play? Uh, the Spear, the right? The Spear, yeah. 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 Hatcher it, he, said
1: it was specifically for McKnight, who's a Bradenton kid, to run against FSU. He
0: went to Manatee, right? Yeah, he's That's Manatee really kid. That's Willie Taggart's yeah. old. Uh, yeah, so they, they had that double move in there for FSU. I think it does show that this was a game, they game plan for FSU, probably more than FSU game plan for them.
1: Not that that's a great excuse, no. but there's a they were gonna uh, get a touchdown or two. They're yeah. good enough offense where that should be kind of a natural thing. They did whatever the hell they wanted for thirty minutes, basically.
0: they aired it out. They picked on Levante Taylor. They picked on Stanford Samuels. Yeah. They picked on guys who are all American caliber type of players. And and Devlin Hodges, like I, I don't want to backyard brawler. I mean, he he just he looked like a poor man's. Brett Favre. And I'm not saying Brett Favre. I'm well, saying that he played like that style and the kind of things that, that Favre would do in his prime that made you go, oh, my God.
1: Well, the perfect play is uh, I believe they attempted to reverse in the backfield. He's turning around. He's consumed by three or four defenders around him. Mm-hmm. He basically throws a backwards lateral just to get rid of it. It's completed. I think they still lost yards on it, but he just flings it out there. Like, he doesn't think twice about it. It's like it was, it was humorous almost to watch him run an offense. Because, one, he's clearly very comfortable in what Hatcher Mm -hmm. wants him to do. But, two, he's just out there trying to put points up on you. Like, he's not overthinking it. It's about flinging the ball around the yard and trying to score
0: points. When they say gunslinger, and that's a a crutch that a lot of sports writers rely on, but that's exactly what – that's a prototype of a a college-level guy like that.
1: At the half, he was on pace to break the record against FSU for most passing yards allowed by over 100 yards. Mm -hmm. Now, that got changed in the second half. A big reason for that FSU went to their delta package – Hanson-Nazardine was playing sort of a viper role. I think that brought a big adjustment to it. And FSU also did a better job in the second half of forcing bad throws from Hodges with the pressure. They didn't put him on his backside enough. No sacks recorded. Three tackles for loss in the game. But they were consistently back there. Brian Burns was consistently impacting off the edge. But the stat line doesn't bear that. I believe he finished with one tackle, nothing in the The back The stat
0: line, zero sacks and I think yeah. five tackles for loss if that or is that the other three or five I can't remember three. but uh so so FSU does make that adjustment I do think as we're trying to mine for positives here well we'll back to Hodges like I don't want this to turn into a podcast or the narrative that Hodges he's not
1: the excuse is.
0: correct I, I, I don't he played really well at it for an FCS quarterback. And it was fun to watch. And it was enjoyable if I wasn't like freaking out about rewriting the game story a bunch of different times. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll, and he'll honestly probably be one of the top. I had him in the, as a top 10 quarterback they were going to play this year. After watching him live, like, that, shoot, that's probably top five. They're, court, cap, they're quarterback. picked
1: to win their conference. They're going to compete at the highest level of FCS this year. They're not some slouch. They're good. It's kind of like James Madison playing NC State a week ago. Yeah. It's a bit of a test, but at the same time, FSU failed to test for a vast majority of the evening.
0: Yeah, so the defense did fail. And, again, you had guys either there's two or three plays where there's just no one even close to a wide receiver, and then there's times where Hodges is just making big-boy throws and dropping over really good coverage. Uh, but FSU adjusts, and this is the second game in a row now where we've seen a Harlan Barnett defense uh, kind of be on its heels early and then adjust quickly too. I will say that's a positive. Uh, I know some people are frustrated. It was funny, man. People were so quick to go, oh, third and Kelly, third and Kelly after a couple of, uh, I think, I think Sanford was two out of its first three on third down conversions. It finishes with, I think, only four uh, third down conversions the rest of the game. Maybe only three. Uh, FSU got them off the field, uh, especially for that second half. They only give them a field goal. Uh, The yards per play dips from about eight and change to four and change from the first half to the second half. And the big difference uh, was that Delta package that they went to uh, and to try to get an idea of it it's three def- three defensive linemen with Brian Burns being one of them and he's standing up
1: six DBs
0: six DBs one of those though is you mentioned Hampson Nasruddin in that Viper role and he moves up almost as like a pseudo linebacker guy coming off the edge and then they mixed in Leonard Warner, who was really nice as a blitzer, with Don uh, Dontavis Jackson a little bit.
1: But they also seemed to press better on the perimeter, that, which they did not do very well early in the game. The first time that they got hands on a guy, it seemed, was Asante creating a pick. Yeah. Asante did a great job riding the hips, getting his hand between the hands, popping the ball up. AJ Westbrook comes down with it. FSU creates a big play, which is what the defense is about. It's not about, they're not going to just shut down and annihilate opponents. Mm-hmm. That's not what they're designed. They're about creating big plays, big opportunities, but they also need to reduce the amount of big plays being hit upon.
0: They're going to give up some big plays too. That's part of they play aggressive and a lot of press coverage or even, we haven't seen a ton of it, but they do play a lot of one-on-one coverage with not a lot of help up top. We saw that be problematic. Now it's supposed to complement the offense in a way that you get these turnovers and uh, you get the offense, the ball back quicker. Unfortunately, the offense, well, we already went over that. They're not complementing each other. Those two sides of the ball, but uh, the defense in that delta package they also did a lot more zone like strap zone coverage is what kyle myers told us and and you saw that i think gave them a little bit more of an attacking mentality uh because they were able to go forward to the ball instead of chasing guys around and for whatever reason that that worked but they make that adjustment and it paid off big time Uh, they're able to get to the quarterback at least pressure hodges into making some bad throws that's part of his mentality but because uh, the formation is the way it is. They're able to do these weird stunts and blitzes that help to get him off base. People are going to look at the zero sacks. Not great.
1: Three sacks or two games.
0: Yep. Yeah. But what you saw in the second half, they pressured him consistently. They made him uncomfortable, the quarterback, and the guy who gets rid of the ball quickly. Uh, they were able to force some bad throws, and FSU finishes with five turnovers. Uh, frankly, you know, should have had probably one or two against Virginia Tech and had some bad bounces there. So his Defense flies around, it's aggressive, it's trying to get to the football. We saw the turnover backpack, you guys like that, Chris? You <laughs> like
1: do you like I, that? Lead the fifth, baby. Lead the fifth, uh, whatever. If they, if they get a hundred turnovers a game and an offensive lineman magically appears out of a backpack, I'm all about it.
0: Like someone pops out of the backpack, yeah, just,
1: just magically appear
0: like a pokeball.
1: Yeah, I'll take an offensive tackle, it can even be a right tackle. <laughs> but I, the defense, no more guards though, please. God, no, the the defense had good moments, they didn't have enough of them early, yeah. And it took them kind of getting their backs put against the wall. They allowed three points in the last two quarters, you know. I thought Marv played a really good game for the second week in a row, Marvin Wilson, yeah. Naz did very well, especially when he adjusted that role, let him in tackles, had 12 on the evening.
0: Ham- Hampson Naz Kyle
1: Myers had. You know, a couple moments where he got picked on a bit, but also had some really good moments. I think overall in the two games, he's been the most consistent DB for them. Uh A.J. Westbrook's Westbrook has been in that yeah. conversation too, but everybody's had some misses and some hits. But Kyle's brought a physicality to the position. He's been aggressive. We saw the pop he had late in the game in this one. Helmet on ball against Virginia Tech. So good moments there. LT got picked on again, which is disappointing for him. He bounced back with the sixty three yard interception return on the route where he jumped in, took it, and housed it.
0: I think one of the early touchdowns may have been on him, and it was a blown coverage. I don't know if it was on him or someone else. The there was back one end. on
1: Stanford, there was one on Levante.
0: Well, one of the touch. well, he gave up one in a in a one on one, but there was another one where they scored downfield. I don't know if it was Cyrus Fagan or I forget if they scored, but Cyrus and, and- I'm getting off topic. Levante had a lot of miscues, it looked like, uh, for a guy who was awesome last year. So yeah. he's kind of been pressing
1: a little bit the first two games. And he was, I was on the field at the end of the game. Sedon was still in the box finishing up the gamer. But me and Sham went Fra- down. Frantically. And uh, Levante was noticeably emotional. I think he was unhappy with how they performed. And I'm sure he was unhappy to some degree with how he individually performed. He's yeah. a guy that very much cares, always has. Levante will own when he messes something up. He also wants love when he does something well, which I'm all good with because he works his ass off, and I know that, and he's been that kind of player his entire career. here. But, like, it was noticeable with him walking off with Taylor that he was, I don't i don't know how to bet, I don't want to say aggravated, but he was clearly unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, they didn't intend to come out and be in a dogfight against Samford a week after not playing very well. That, that was clear with Levante Taylor's reaction to that game in the end. Mm-hmm. And it was clear by his emotions that getting that ball and sailing the victory was hugely important to him, individually speaking. But uh, I think as far as defense, oh Leonard Warner,
0: you liked how he, he flashed
1: them. in the second half. He impacted one of the plays that resulted in an interception. He had some moments. He did some things. The uh, linebacker group can use any serviceable bodies, and he's shown the capability. And I know you're a big proponent of playing him along with Dontavious Jackson and. You know, I'm not against that, especially Adonis Thomas appeared to get banged up a little bit in this game. He went back to the locker room at one point. DeKalen Brooks do- doesn't appear to be 100% yet. Woodby's obviously got one shoulder strapped down, but man, through it and played hard and played pretty well.
0: He yeah, had that big play, pass break up in the end zone. I'm trying to look at the numbers right now. So the linebackers, DeKalen Brooks has two tackles. Will you, will you add them up for me, Chris? You're good at math. Two tackles for Tecayla well, Brooks, one for Adonis Thomas, one for Woodby, zero for Jackson and Warner. And again, Warner impacted it in other ways, but wait, that's, that's four, th-
1: four tackles for the linebacker group. <laughs> but Nas also racked up a healthy amount of yeah. tackles when he moved down there in the second half. That's
0: hole. true. And he had 12 tackles, and he, what do you have 11 the game before? So yeah. he's putting up a nice. But it's always linebacker. concerning
1: when your top three tacklers are technically safeties in that game. It's Nazanin, Sam Westbrook.
0: Yeah, and, it's, and Levante Taylor's number four on there. Yeah. yeah, And part of that was the offensive plan they were trying to attack the yeah. perimeter. And threw the ball well.
1: 60 times, a lot yeah. of quick passing.
0: But still, yeah, there's – you look at the numbers that the defense has this year, it's not great. They're in the bottom half of most other than third down defense. I think they're ninth nationally with like 22% mm-hmm. uh, conversion rate. Uh, they've been okay with not giving up touchdowns inside the red zone. Other than that, Uh, The yards per play, yards per pass, all those kind of tempo-eliminating metrics uh, show that that the defense hasn't been great. It's played well situationally, which is important. Uh, Is that sustainable, though? Uh, TBD, we don't know. But but I I feel much better with where the defense is because I feel like there's at least an identity of what they can be. Uh, They do have some weaknesses, but we've seen Harlan Barnett now show that he's able to – scheme around those a little bit. The offense on the other side hasn't yet. Yeah,
1: the defensive line is going to have to get a guy like Dungey now. You can't let him run around and be comfortable. and
0: Against like Syracuse? Do what
1: yeah. they allowed Hodges to do because he'll tear you apart. Um, the secondary is going to have to win more one-on-one matchups. They're going to be put in that. That's the scheme. And they have to be more effective at winning those consistently. They've gotten beaten in too many of those situations through two games. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I think that group will get better. I'm not as fearful of that group's progress coming along slowly like the offense. Mm-hmm. I think they will find improvement.
0: Oh, real quick, before we turn the page to Syracuse and do more of a macro, big picture of the. I don't have to say macro and big picture. Those two are the same thing. <laughs>
1: anyways, the special teams, real quick. Four hour sleep podcast. The special special team.
0: Sleep. I mean, I'm not really sharp normally, anyways. I don't want to blame it completely on the sleep. Uh, it was probably also the three big boys that I had at Hobbit before while watching <laughs> the, the Jags game. Not helpful either. Go Jags. Um, special teams. want to get Bob in to give us a rundown. Logan
1: but, Tyler was excellent.
0: 46 yards and change, I think, per, yeah, per punt. Did his job um,
1: well. The yeah. blocking in front of him was better than the VTech game. The block much really on him. So. But, uh, yeah, Ricky. Ooh, buddy. Got to get that on Ricky track. Ricky
0: Aguayo misses a field goal from 42 and from 40 yards. He's now 1 of 4 on the season. This is a guy who was 18-21 last year, uh, had some struggles his, the year before in 2016, but but you thought it kind of turned the corner. He
1: yeah. was ultra confident. He's always confident, but he was ultra confident coming out of preseason. He, he, he felt like about, he was kicking the ball yep. great, very consistent. Willie's spoken about how consistent he was with kicking it. They had no concerns, but, yeah. You know, do you open it back up this weekend and let Logan take a swing at it? I mean, I don't know what you do there, but you, when your offense is struggling to muster touchdowns and you get the opportunity to put three on the board – you kind of got to do it. Yeah. Plus, it helps take your defense out of worse situations.
0: Exactly. If field position, that's obviously a big. Man, when the offense isn't being consistent, yeah, it helps the defense out too. That that's a problem. Uh, the coverage units have been fine, average. I don't
1: know what they're trying to do on punt returns. But yeah. I haven't quite figured that out. That hasn't so two looked games.
0: That hasn't looked great. Uh, kickoff return. I mean, you lose Laybourne. That 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 sucks. Uh, Anthony Grant shows some juice there.
1: Rocking uh, the four five. Yeah, but all. Like Jordan should, on the comeback. back have
0: heard them try to figure that out in the, in the press box. <laughs> Trying to make announcements like 10 times. Uh, but he took one out. His best one was the one he took out, and he probably shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, when he was along uh, the sideline, caught in the end so zone. I guess what
0: I'm saying is the special teams, we won't spend too much time on it. But, man, that's kind of, there's some head scratchers. That was one of the three things I learned. I like, I don't think the special teams really knows what it's doing right now.
1: The staff obviously has plenty of concerns about what's going on right now with their football team. But special teams, as one knows, that it was commented to me of we simply need to be better at it. Like mm-hmm. They fully, they have the pieces to be better at it, so they just need to go be better at it. It's not one of those things where you're trying to figure a whole lot out. It's not like offense where it's about execution. It's about the right part of the scheme. It's about guys learning new roles, doing different jobs. that's nah, it's just go do your job. It's
0: They seem very passive on special teams. And I say that, you know, you have the Virginia Tech example where the the punk gets blocked Virginia sends three guys I think it was Wally uh, yeah, well, Ame, that, that was responsible for letting that happen <coughs> that seems soft I was watching the first kickoff return when I was going back and watching the uh, the Sanford game uh, Layborn brings it out there's about three or four guys standing around not putting a hat on someone you're going to whiff on special teams it's so high high speed you're not going to like block it up perfectly every time but just guys looking around there's just no juice uh, And I think that's indicative of where the team's at right now uh, but you're talking about like tone setting stuff. That's, you know, the margin is, is in the errors and special teams is kind of the, the margin uh, or the errors in the margin. Which one is it? This is four hours. Well, simple, fall
1: simple physicality.
0: Yeah. in every
1: phase of this team will allow them to perform at a higher level.
0: Oh, if they do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, right now they're not consistently doing it. Willie he said soft when he was talking about the defense. And I think he met the coverage. I don't want to misquote him. He wasn't, he, it wasn't, it was open to interpretation, but the word soft came out of his mouth. Man, like, soft right now, right? Yeah, like this, this increase is your
1: level of physicality, finish plays, drive guys in the ground as offensive linemen, put the quarterback on his ass as defensive linemen, you know, fill holes and end plays as linebackers. It's it's simple, basic, fundamental football. Do it at a higher level. Things will go better.
0: And that's where now where we'll talk about big picture part of Willie Taggart's challenge when he took over was revamping the culture was turning it around and those were bad habits that were years in the making that deteriorated from the 2013 team where it was the pinnacle of being a badass and being physical anti-soft uh and that just deteriorated over the years and you have guys who don't know how to do that um and maybe that was a miscalculation on, on our end to think that that could be turned around quickly. I, I think it probably can was. be. In, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, well, let's base, be honest, probably well, well, was. based
1: on evidence. It was a yeah. bit of optimism that uh, got the better of us, I would say.
0: Uh, but there are examples where teams do and programs do turn it around quickly. Let's, it's a want to.
1: Yeah. Physicality is completely a want to. It's not some special potion. It's the wanting to put your hands on the opposing player – and do something
0: to him. There's this dude over at NC State named Tanner Ingle, and I watched him in high school, he went to my alma mater, at, uh, Dr. Phillips, and he was a guy that I was hoping FSU was going to like look at. Doesn't have the metrics. like He's 5'8", not really super fast or twitchy, but he just every single game so far, well, both games <laughs> that he's played in college football, he's been a badass and just destroyed people. He's 5'8", maybe 175 pounds, not super athletic. There's not a whole lot there other than he just gives a profound... You know what?
1: Guys like Marvin Wilson, Demarcus Christmas, Kyle Myers.
0: Asante um, Samuel got burnt, and then he goes back and forces that interception. I think he's a building block that way.
1: But those guys have displayed physicality. They've been aggressive. Brian Burns is much more based on speed than physicality. He's been very aggressive with his speed. Not obviously finishing plays, but impacting plays. So there's building blocks, but you need to be a mindset. It needs to be the mindset from the onset of the game. And they've had two poor starts on two different games, one where they accepted the kick, one where they kicked away. You gotta figure out the magic potion, you gotta start better, you gotta play better football from beginning to end. And when when you do face adversity, it's not about, you know, well, we can't run this screen, we can't run the ball, so what the hell we do we do. It's make the best of that play. And I think FSU in two games has failed pretty miserably, especially on offense, at making the best of every snap.
0: Yeah. I I agree with that, especially on offense. And trying to... So going back, reflecting on Willie Taggart's post-game press conference, he still seems like he's someone who doesn't have a ton of answers and doesn't really know. He knows there's problems. I think he's identifying what the problems are and can admit that. There are uh, several big-picture issues. Offensive line, uh, Running backs not being super physical physicality in general consistency on defense, Frankie Guayo missed missing field goals like he knows that these are problems. Uh, his kind of default that he's come back to and I, I don't necessarily disagree with it is they just gotta you need to win one-on-one battles. that's what football is and that's what his whole philosophy man is is he wants to simplify it as much as possible play backyard football and just enable guys to kick the ass of the guy across from them. And something isn't connecting through two games. And I don't know where that disconnect is, but it's not happening. And that's when we're trying to put context into this season so far. Like, that's where I scratch my head because I don't know where that is happening. There's some critics that are going to look at the turnover backpack and guys dancing in practice and alternate uniforms and not be happy with all that. I don't think that's the issue. It's much more systemic in, in... ingrained. Plenty of, of these issues
1: existed a season ago. That's what my
0: a different point. Head coach. Yes, that's my point. Is this I'm, is I'm, not, I'm
1: not going to go into Jimbo Fisher or a trick and blame game.
0: We have a you What know. the Hell podcast part I mean, three coming up.
1: The O-line recruiting no, is don't. awful. Uh, yeah. And we've talked about that plenty on the side, and that's somewhat the reason they're in this predicament with the depth just stinking up front. But the lack of just general physicality, want-to effort You know, toughness, effort, discipline, pride, those were things preached by Jambo. He still believes in them. It's on the wall at A&M now. You know, Willie's very much a lethal simplicity. Play fast, play physical, play hard. You know, make the effort, deal with adversity. How many of those things does FSU do well as a roster? And I think, you know, when you can start checking off those boxes, the other things will come with it.
0: Can I ask, is this team... Would you say this is a very talented team? Because we thought it was no, going into the season. No, because there's major
1: deficiencies yeah. at important positions.
0: That, uh, that create uh, downfalls at other
1: Comparatively positions. speaking to the average FSU roster, I don't think it's on well, That's what I'm saying, like now that, a at a 13, power 14, five.
0: Team, okay. yeah. By
1: any stretch of the imagination.
0: Um, but we thought this was a talented athletic team coming into the season. They were good
1: enough to yeah. win two-thirds of the game to play, if not more. Yeah. From a talent standpoint.
0: So, they enter a what's still the the quote unquote easier part. Yeah, but of the schedule,
1: going up to Syracuse, whose defense is awful, but their offense is fully capable,
0: and it's an offense that's very similar to what Florida State wants to do. Uh, they have a quarterback who's on the
1: ropes last year.
0: Yep, uh, yeah, Jimbo came in pounding his chest because they they blocked a field goal to win, but you got Eric Dungey, who's uh, right, it's Eric Dungey. Correct. Yep. it's a lot of four hours of sleep. Uh, He's been doing it for God. It feels like for like ten years now running that offense, um, and he's a guy who's not an amazing athlete, but above average. Uh, not an amazing pocket passer, but above average. He's tough. Uh, he's one concussion away from probably not knowing where he is the rest of his life. And that He needs to uh, to stay healthy there, but yeah, he's a guy that that can create problems because he does everything fairly well. And if he stays healthy and and. He didn't play against them two years ago, correct? And I think he got dinged up a little bit. So he gets hurt a lot is my point. Uh, But if he's there healthy and plays an entire game, he's going to put a lot of pressure on FSU's offense to continue scoring. And that game may last for five hours too with the tempo both those teams run.
1: Yeah, FSU's defense is going to have to play a good early portion of that game. They can't dig themselves a hole. And they need to hope that the offense to some degree finds some success. You know, not necessarily points, but moving the ball, changing the field. Can't give Syracuse short fields. Mm -hmm. They'll have success with it. You give Dino enough at-bats, he's going to do something with them, usually.
0: Yeah, and they're playing in the carrier dome. It's going to be a quote-unquote fast track, I guess. Uh, Yeah, there's problems. Like, right now, as of today, we're recording this podcast on a Sunday – I would lean towards Syracuse right now.
1: I'm interested to see how FSU runs up there because they traditionally have run the ball pretty damn well in the dome.
0: That's where uh, Dalvin Cook had his uh, his breakout yeah, when he was a freshman. Many moons
1: ago, Leon Washington had a really good game up there. But for whatever reason, they just run the ball well in that dome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Syracuse's defensive <laughs> line is not— <laughs> That was probably They're part not of it. world beaters. So— if the O line is going to kind of mount a surge or at least show an improvement or play better with synergy and maybe hopefully a consistent group for four quarters, maybe we see them play to a little bit higher level than they've played through two games.
0: Oh, well, before the season, you were thinking nine and three. I was at eight and four. Do you I wanna, have no clue. Okay, do you want to okay, no pivot that at all? <laughs> at this
1: point, I have no clue what to think, okay. to be perfectly honest. They're extremely beatable.
0: We hope you guys are enjoying the – like, I've enjoyed it because this has been a lot of workshopping. Honestly, like, I can't put proper context into what I'm seeing other than it's not good. I'm not convinced
1: that they are going to be this bad for 12 games.
0: I'm not either. But I'm
1: also not convinced they're going to be all that
0: good. Uh, it Maybe, yeah. It may be closer to 7-5 type of deal. Um, yeah. It, they have room to grow in their areas, especially on offense where I think they, they can – If they, like you said, strip some things down, because Willie Taggart's lethal, simplistic offense is lethal and simplistic in the theory. Well, let's say it's simplistic for now. Lethal part, TBD. Simplistic in that there's not a whole lot that guys, the skill guys, have to do. Uh, Not a whole lot the offensive line has to do, um, other than just line up and and charge forward, usually. Uh, It's complicated in that they run a ton of different formations, uh, more so than most spread teams. I wonder if you start to scale that back a little bit and just try to do different concepts. Like, I just, you just try to start finding what you can do well, and that's where FSU was last year. And I can't imagine how frustrating this is for the Florida State fan base. It's frustrating for me covering this team. We're talking about the same damn thing that we were last year, and it's just a different.
1: Cut out pre snap penalties. Well, that would help. Quit playing behind the chains. That would help. Work forward on every snap. Block people. Yeah, you know, pat oh. on hat. You'll you'll find success. The offense is capable of chunk plays. They've shown that. The rushing attack, not as much. I mean, obviously, Cam had his big one. There's been a couple others, but in general, through two games, that part of the offense hasn't been very explosive. But the passing game certainly has its capability. But you just got to put yourself in a position where you either win the rep or you don't lose it. You can't lose rep after rep after rep and, you know, give teams short fields and let them kind of tee off on you. It's just, it's not going to work. FSU can win shootouts. They have a decent enough defense to win shootouts. But they also have to be proficient enough, efficient enough on offense to put themselves in a position to do that.
0: And that's where the next part of you know, if FSU is going to string together like a decent 8-4 and four respectable season. Um, the two sides, offense and defense, need to complement each other better. And, and, spe- I, and that's,
1: special teams can't be the thorn in the well, side either.
0: The, yeah, correct. Uh, but, but until those two parts start, like, the defense forces a turnover. The offense has to freaking score off of it and score quickly. Remember when
1: FCS games were supposed to be like the bye week and easy and stuff? Yeah,
0: man. FSU almost paid $500,000 to take it nap. So, How much it That's what Bob Ferrante wrote. Yeah, nice. um, I trust Bob.
1: Since we're pretty much done talking about team, can I give a two-minute rant? Holy hell on the officiating. Oh. The replays, the stalling of that game. That thing felt like a nine-hour marathon. That's absurd. If the, people want to know why people are tuning out on football... That game on Saturday is a good reason. One, the product wasn't particularly great, but two, the officiating was dog shit.
0: We almost made it through a whole entire podcast. It's an hour in.
1: If the kids are still listening, they understand we're not in a good place. (laughs) But it was Daddy, why do these guys sound
0: so angry?
1: That officiating was horrible. I mean you can't you can't have you can't have guys falling down on the field. You can't have nine minute reviews and then not put the ball at the right. That yard was marker.
0: the most damning and frustrating you, part. You of can't the entire count to eleven? Holy hell, dude. You're an official. Count to eleven. I mean it's awful. Apparently the broadcast wasn't great. I rewatched the game and I didn't listen to the broadcast. I, Apparently I that just, wasn't fantastic. I hate either. officials,
1: but my lord, like I, I Football. The flow of football at all levels has been destroyed by officiating. Yeah. And TV timeouts.
0: And then players cramping up. And, yeah. and then TV just, timeouts. It's not good for the product
1: long term. As yeah. a fan of football, it's just not good for the product.
0: I feel badly like, the Florida State fans have showed out the first two games.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, they're not getting treated to all, a lot, and and, and just. Dope after
1: dark is about to become dope before dusk.
0: Dusk before. No, Dawn, before dusk, buddy. Dawn. Like like the but like the FSU's
1: trending towards nooners.
0: Yeah, they are. They are. And I feel bad for the fans because they have shown out and they have been engaged. Like the student section was great on Saturday, and the fan base was like it was seventy five thousand strong, and that was a legitimate number given that it was a short week. There was that stupid rain delay, which made no freaking sense. I saw lightning bolts. I saw three of them, and then nothing for thirty minutes. The storm like. Fizzled out and they kept for another 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, that was stupid. So they had to, to wait. And then they have the poor officiating, uh, just a game that never had any type of rhythm, partially because of the officiating. I feel bad for you guys who were there. But God bless them. FSU scores. Uh, Francois hits Trey McKitty for the game winning touchdown. And they were hugging and screaming and, and happy. That, uh, so, oh my God. It's, it's been a weird season, man. It's been a weird season. and And Maybe that's where we should end this podcast. It's been weird. At least we haven't had a game canceled by a hurricane yet. No. there's a hurricane coming this this <laughs> week, folks. By the way, for the record, so
1: so no one's going to get stranded in Syracuse. Have to spend all his time with his in with the in
0: laws. There's there's good there's good pizza up there, and that's a, That's a that's a plus. Um, so, guys, thank you for listening. Again, thank you for bearing with us as we workshop through this. Uh, hopefully, it's informative from from what we're seeing what we're hearing behind the scenes, what we're hearing in press conferences, all that kind of stuff to give you a little bit more context for for what isn't making sense. uh, Now, can FSU put pieces together? So again, five-star review on iTunes if you have five minutes. If not, it's not the end of the world. I'm using reverse psychology. Guys, thank you for listening. This has been Brendan with within those twenty four seven podcasts. Thanks to Chris Nee for joining me. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll be back later in the week, or uh, well, right after the Syracuse game. After I'm done with the in laws.